Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. When one of the borough's most storied religious sites hit the market in 2022, rumors began to swirl and residents feared for the future of those hallowed grounds. Thankfully, one of Staten Island's largest nonprofits has stepped in to purchase and preserve the property. The comments that we got on this story, I can't even begin to tell you. The emails that I received, it was overwhelming to see how much this property meant to so many people. You know how it is, we cover these stories, we report the news, but this one got me. This one really did because it was such a strong reaction from the community. Everybody wanted to save this place. It was so sacred to so many people. And when I met with Frank, he was so adamant about how they're going to preserve it, how they're going to keep it in in its same essence. There's not gonna be houses there. That was the one thing he said, we're not gonna build townhouses. Exactly word for word, that was a quote from him. He goes, we, it's it's a peaceful, sacred place, and that's how it's going to remain. Welcome to the Staten Island Advances from the Scene, a podcast bringing you an inside look at the biggest stories on Staten Island with the reporters who cover them. I'm your host, Eric Bascom, and this week I'm joined by Staten Island Advance business and real estate reporter Jessica Jones-Gorman to discuss local nonprofit, the Tunnels to Towers Foundation, purchasing the Alba House in Myers Corner. Thanks for joining me today, Jess. It feels like the new year has just started, but somehow we're already approaching March. And so given that this is your first time on the podcast this year, I was wondering if you could just talk to me a little bit about what are the big stories that you're monitoring going into 2024? Hey, Eric. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me, as always. Yes, it's hard to believe that we're entering March already. Here on my beat, we started the year waiting on the Hobby Lobby opening, which we're still monitoring. So that's one of the big stories that we're following. And of course, we're still tracking batteries, which is what I was here speaking about with you the last time that we met. Governor Hogle recently released the findings from this interagency fire safety group, and they convened to outline the safety standards for the growing number of best units in New York. So we're taking a closer look at that and um, what that report means for the residents of five boroughs. That was a story that kind of popped up out of nowhere in recent years. We hadn't really been reporting on it too much. We had seen some stuff in other publications about other parts of the city. But here on Staten Island, it was somewhat of an unknown. And then you kind of just saw it in your neighborhood, right, and decided to look into it? Right. Yeah. One just popping up in my neighborhood and bringing my kids to school, I saw it. And then after that, you're just starting to see them everywhere. So they're popping up everywhere. We have another story coming next week about it. Great. And so listeners should definitely be on the lookout for that. I know that that's a big story that a lot of people have been interested in and has drawn a lot of ire from the local community boards and from residents and even elected officials seem kind of torn on that stuff. So definitely a big one to, to kind of keep track of. But the reason I have you on today, I want to talk a little bit about the purchase of the Alba House, which is not actually the real name, which you will, uh, I'm sure, get into a little bit here. But this is located in Myers Corners. It's on Victory Boulevard, kind of close to Woolley Avenue between Bradley and Woolley, I would say. I don't know the exact cross streets there, but it's a big property. People have probably driven by and seen it, but maybe not known exactly what it was. I actually grew up five minutes from there probably. And most of my life, I was like, wow, that's a cool building. Look at the little thing at the top. And I had no idea what it was, what they did there. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about the property? Sure. So like you said, it's in Myers Corners. It borders westerly almost. Corner of Victory and Ingram is there. 
It's been owned by the Society of St. Paul for decades, and that's a Christian organization, and they make magazines, books, a variety of other publications to spread the word of Christ. The group operates a small religious bookstore on the property now, but years ago, decades ago actually, it ran a major publishing house there. So what's so captivating about the property is that it's steeped in Staten Island history. It's a couple of acres of land. It was once a huge printing press there, a book bindery, a graphic department, editorial offices, and then at least 30 priests and brothers lived there at one point. There's a grotto and a chapel, which is believed to have been built from the stones of Victory Boulevard, because Victory Boulevard used to be like a cobbled road. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was paved in 1939. So then, I mean, just do the math on that, you realize how old that property is. It's a very quiet, hallowed place, like you said, um, 70 years here on Staten Island, and it's reportedly seen a lot of miracles of faith. People, Staten Islanders, love to go there and pray. A couple of odd facts and clarifications, like you said, the chapel is officially called the St. Paul's Wayside Shrine. Staten Islanders gave it the moniker, Alba House, mm -hmm. but that's actually incorrect, and the brothers will tell you that. It's just stuck over the years. Alba House was a publishing trademark that the St. Paul's bookstore used for their books, and the society stopped using that name in 1993, but it just stuck, and everybody still calls it the Alba House. That's interesting how things kind of stick like that. It's quicker and easier off the tongue, probably, which is why I would imagine people stuck with it. But so deep history on Staten Island, been there for decades, lots of people are visiting, and they're putting out all of these types of religious materials over the years. And so when we found out that it was going up for sale in 2022, I think a lot of people were shocked by that. And so you wrote the article back then as well. So I'm curious how we found out that this was being listed and some of the, the reaction in terms of what people were saying about it, why it was being sold, which parts were being sold. Sure. The real estate listing came to our attention, I think, two years ago, he said. And I think it mainly because of the price tag. It was $17 million, the asking price. So when these things come up on the real estate listings, you know, our editors pay attention to that stuff. Mm -hmm. And someone sent it my way. So I started, like, looking into it. The community, of course, was in shock when they found out about it because they immediately feared that it would be turned into housing. That's how we all think, I think. And then initial interviews with real estate agents and the brothers themselves indicated that there was a little bit of truth to those rumors. The listing agent originally told us that some residential homes would likely be built around the offices there. And then even though the listing advertised the space as ideal for retail and medical facilities, they said they hinted that houses were going to be built there. But fortunately, that didn't happen. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something we're going to touch on a little bit later. But that is kind of the big thing that we see here on Staten Island whenever a large property is being placed up for sale is concerns about what it will be turned into, concerns about overdevelopment. Again, the $17 million price tag is huge, but they weren't actually planning to sell the entire property, right? There were some parts of it that would be preserved for the uh, for St. Paul's, is right. that right? So they were just planning to sell some portions of it. But it's funny that you say that the reactions of the community, when, you know, when people found out when we ran that article, this is where I learned about the importance and the impact that Alva House has in the borough. You know I'm a native Staten Islander. I've lived here all my life. I'm a practicing Catholic. But truth be told, I've never been there. I've never yeah. been to the Alba House. I knew it was a very spiritual place and that it was very important to a lot of people, especially after September 11th, very strong significance there. But the comments that we got on this story, I can't even begin to tell you. The emails that I received, it was overwhelming to see how much this property meant to so many people. You know how it is. We cover these stories. We report the news. But this one got me. This one really did because it was such a strong reaction from the community. Everybody wanted to save this place. It was so sacred to so many people. And there was a lot of unanswered questions. 
So it was tough fielding all those concerns, especially when there was this huge question mark over the property and what was going to happen to it. That's part of the issue too, right? Is that we hear from people and it's like, well, we we don't have the answers yet either. And it's like, you understand all the concerns and it's good to hear from the community and to get that kind of engagement on our content and that sort of stuff. But in some cases, it's easier when you're doing an article about like something trash pickup or yeah. garbage collected and like uh, clearing the snow. And it's like, oh, well, I can refer you to someone who can give you the answer for that. With these, with real estate, it's kind of a waiting game in many ways, right? And so in this case, we waited about two years until we've now reported that Tunnels to Towers has purchased that property. And so I was wondering if first you could just tell our listeners a little bit about the Tunnels to Towers Foundation. I think that a lot of people are probably familiar with them, but like the Alba House, there are many Staten Islanders who have been here their whole lives and, and don't necessarily know everything. There's a lot going on in this little island. So can you tell us a little bit about Tunnels to Towers? Sure. The foundation is named in honor of Stephen Siller. He was 34 years old on September 11th, 2001, and he heroically lost his life. He put on his bunker gear, which is 60 pounds, and he ran through the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel to the Twin Towers before they collapsed. And then unfortunately, that's where he met his demise. His family founded Tunnel to Towers in 2002, and they decided to recreate that final run. So they, they hosted a 5K to symbolize those footsteps, his final footsteps. But it didn't stop there. That was so tremendous. They got such a reaction from all of the firefighters and the entire Staten Island community and then beyond. And over the past 23 years, the foundation has raised more than $500 million in support of the nation's heroes. They build mortgage-free homes for Gold Star families. When a first responder dies in the line of duty, they pay their mortgage. They help wounded veterans, Gold Star families, as I said. But honestly, I think it's some of the most the most beautiful charitable work that they do goes unrecognized. Recently, when that, that seven-year-old girl here on Staten Island died in a fire in January, if you looked closely, they set up tents and heaters outside of the funeral home. It was just such a small gesture. I mean, but it cost them money. And, and it, it, you know, yeah. it was it was something they did. But it was just to protect the mourners because it was raining that day. It was cold that day. It's just those little things. They send the food to families. I, I think they take care of people in their darkest hour. And I think that's why the purchase of the Alba House is such an amazing fit for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I've actually had the, the pleasure of covering some stories related to their work on Staten Island. And I've gone to houses that they have rebuilt for different families. And one of them was a child with disabilities who they retrofitted the house with an elevator and with um, all of these different things to fit his needs. And so the work that they do in the community is just incredible. And like I said, they are one of the foremost nonprofit organizations, charities here on Staten Island. And I think that it's a really good fit. And especially when we talk a little bit about and we'll, we'll get to this a little bit later. I don't want to jump the gun, but about that 9-11 connection and the connection of the site. We'll be right back. The Mayor of Maple Avenue is a powerful multi-part podcast about Sean Sinisey, a victim of former Penn State football coach Jerry Sandusky, who was arrested 10 years ago for numerous child sexual abuse charges. The podcast series is written and hosted by Pulitzer Prize winning reporter Sarah Gannam, who takes listeners into the world of addiction rehabilitation where society can be quick to celebrate the consequences for abusers while not addressing the needs of their victims. Subscribe now to the Mayor of Maple Avenue wherever you get your podcasts. But first, I want to talk a little bit about how we found out about this. Is this something that was publicized? Is, did they send out a press release? Did you Were you just scrolling through records online? How did we find out about this? You're not going to like this answer. <laughs> <laughs> As a journalist, you're not going to like this. I'm not going to lie. We got scooped. We got scooped by social media on this one. Oh, uh, okay. And I, I honestly do hate that when that happens. Someone mm -hmm. posted something on one of those Staten Island pages. Hey, everybody, you know, Tunnel to Towers bought Alba House. And I was like... Hmm. So one of our editors saw it, actually told me, look into it. 
So of course I reached out to Tunnel to Towers and Frank Stiller invited me to his office to discuss it. And that's a meeting you don't turn down, that's for sure. So as soon as he invited me in, I knew that there was some truth to it. Yeah, for sure. And so can you talk to me a little bit about that meeting with him and yeah. what was what was said? He told me all about the plans. You know, he told me how they're going to update the buildings. They're going to make them usable again. The real estate there has fallen into some disrepair, so they're going to fix that. And then the buildings are going to be used as their headquarters. They're also going to refurbish the bookstore and give the brothers some new accommodations there. And when I met with Frank, he was so adamant about how they're going to preserve it, how they're going to keep it in, in, in its same essence. There's not going to be houses there. That was the one thing he said, we're not going to build townhouses. Exactly word for word, that was a quote from him. It's a peaceful, sacred place, and that's how it's going to remain. It was so important for him to get that word out. They weren't ready to tell Staten Island about this yet because this is going to be a few years in the making. Yeah. But social media kind of forced everybody's hand a mm -hmm. little bit. But he was happy to share the news and happy to tell us how it's going to remain and dispel all those rumors that were going on. That's incredible. And I love getting out in front of it. And because as reporters, we've seen many stories where we say, hey, we heard this. Can you confirm that? And then you just don't hear anything. Yeah. Or it's like, no, can't talk about that right now. No, can't talk about that right now. So the willingness to kind of bring us in and, and allow us to share that story, I think, is great. And just another reflection of of how great they are for the community and all of the good work that they do. I'm just curious that I actually didn't even have this on the rundown, but did it end up meeting that $17 million asking price? Do you know? That seems like a hefty, hefty price. I mean, it's a big property, but that seems like a lot of money. I didn't ask. Uh, that's what I would love to. I'm sure we could actually probably find the real estate records if the sale has been confirmed. So I'm just curious about that. It's not one that, you know, it doesn't really make a huge difference in the grand scheme of things, but always just curious with a big price tag like that if they actually end up meeting it. But as you said, the property is going to be refurbished in some senses, just in terms of the buildings and Otherwise, things are going to kind of remain the way they are. They'll remain open to the public, right? And we'll be able to go worship there or pray or whatever it might be that, that people want to do there. But for Tunnels to Towers themselves, this is going to be their new headquarters, right? Right. Their offices are going to be there. So in that main building, I believe. And then the grotto and the chapel are going to remain, and they're going to freshen that as well, which I think in the comments that you see on social media, everyone was very, very happy about that because mm -hmm. everyone loves to go there. Everyone loves to go worship, but I think it needs a little TLC right now. So that's what they plan on doing. And one important thing to note is that those places of worship are going to remain open through the construction. Frank Seller was adamant about that. He wanted no disruption for people who visit there regularly. There's still mass on Sunday mornings. There, there's going to be the ability to just go past those construction fences and go into the property. That's great. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about this connection to 9-11 that runs through both, obviously, Tunnels to Towers and all of the work that they do, the inspiration for their organization, all of that kind of stuff, but also the, the Alba House site, right? I had seen in some of your articles that this was a big place for Staten Islanders to gather after the tragedy. And so can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. According to the St. Paul's website, the shrine was visited by people of all faiths after 9-11. It became this place of refuge, I think. Uh, visitors left prayer cards. There was photographs of loved ones that were placed all throughout the grotto. It became just like a place of solace, I think, for the families of those who were missing loved ones and then who they found out they eventually perished. Of course, Frank Siller referenced that during our interview. He said he felt as though the property was meant for Tunnel to Towers and good reason be because of that. The organization's first mission is never forget. And then their motto is let us do good, which is a teaching of St. Francis. So all of that tied together, I think, really recognizes, you know, what happened on 9-11 and, and why it's so important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I couldn't think of 
really a more perfect place for them to be based out of than somewhere that acted as at solace, that sanctuary for people in the aftermath of that tragedy. And so the last thing that I wanted to talk about a little bit before we go is something that we mentioned early on, which is the history on Staten Island of these concerns coming out whenever a large property is sold, right? People are always worried about overdevelopment. That was a big thing that our former borough president, James Otto, was always fighting against here on Staten Island. And, you know, now even probably in his capacity as Department of Buildings Commissioner. And so this site, like you said, when people first heard about it, the the initial reaction was, oh my God, they're going to rip it down. They're going to build townhouses and everybody hates that, right? Generally, that's that, that seems to be the reaction that we get from the community. But I find it kind of interesting in the sense of we've worked on projects together last year, or maybe it was the year before even at this point, but the real estate market on Staten Island and just sort of the position that that's in and how prices have gone up and inventory has gone down. And so in some ways, it seems as though we could probably use that extra housing stock. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about like the balancing act, right? Because you have people who are upset about overdevelopment and they don't want more houses being built in their community. But then at the same time, houses are so expensive. If we increase the stock in theory, then it might prices might go down. And so as the real estate reporter, I was just kind of curious for your thoughts on that. Sure. I think overdevelopment is always front of mind for Staten Island residents. You have a couple of properties here on Staten Island that have been in the headlines. Mount Marisa is one of them. And in that case, 15 acres were taken there. All of the retreat houses were demolished. It was a beautiful historic portion of the borough. And 250 townhomes were supposed to be built there, but there was a lot of community pushback, and that stymied those plans. The last we reported on it, construction plans were denied for various reasons. There's there's a whole laundry list of them. But the developers have since cleared the land. They've knocked down thousands of trees that were like two to 400 years old. We're looking into that story now, too, and, and reporting on it very soon. And then, of course, you have St. John's. That's another example there. My alma mater, that's where I went to school. It's closing at the end of this semester. The community's worried. It's another 16 acres. It's historic. The university has said that it's going to keep the best interests of the neighborhood in mind, but there's still no word on what's going to happen there. So it's, it's again, another 17 acres, another 16 acres. We're following that closely, too. But I think you're right. Staten Islanders are worried about what's going to happen to those beautiful properties, but there also does have to be a balance. There's a housing crisis, for sure, in New York City. But I think the beauty of Staten Island has always been those little pockets that we have, the pockets of peace maybe, the bucolic sections that no other New York City borough has. We're the green borough, right? Mm -hmm. So they're disappearing, and our streets and our stores are getting a little more crowded, which aggravates all of us. But I don't know, maybe something other than townhomes could be built there, or you know, maybe it could be some single detached property, something like that, to solve the, the, you know, the housing problem that we have, the housing crisis but also keep that beauty of Staten Island. I don't know what the answer is. I, I wish I had a good one for you. Yeah, no, I mean, that's why I thought it was interesting to discuss just because I'm not sure that there really is a good answer. I think that you're always going to kind of run into this on Staten Island whenever, especially a large property like this is sold and there's kind of that, well, do we want this or do we not want this? Or is it messing up the character of the neighborhood versus is it allowing more people to live affordably within the borough? And so it really is just such a complicated issue and really just like I kind of led with just a balancing act. And I don't think that there's ever really going to be a solution to it necessarily, but just something that I thought a little interesting and something that seems to always pop up every time we do some of these stories. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Jess. It was great to have you on as always and uh, hope to have you back soon. Definitely. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Staten Island Advances from the scene. If you like what you've heard, please make sure to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit SILive.com for the latest on all these stories and more. Thank you for supporting local journalism.